Good morning. How are you all? Good. I love that you responded to the good morning. You wouldn't believe how many places I walked into, even the places where I've ministered, that, you know, I was the guy, I say, good evening, good morning, and nothing happens. And I say, well, did I just walk into the first church of the frigid air? And today, obviously, I have not done that. And so this is wonderful opportunity, and I'm so grateful that I'm going to pick up this pen because 275 pounds could make that crack all over the place, and we don't want to do that. But I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here in this historic building and with this historic body, and so much wonderful things have happened in this community through this body and I'm very grateful. I was born in the Northwest, as was spoken earlier, but by the grace of God, I get to live in the South, and I get to live right here in this community. And uh, I see somebody wanted to actually clap for that. I heard that. We're moving in the right direction this morning. I, I like a little bit of, you know, clapping and laughter and all of that. We're going to get into the Word in just a second, and I, I just want to say thank you so much for having my wife and I here today. And uh, as was spoken. We, are, uh, we, we founded the collective about 17 or 18 weeks ago, and it meets in the Cool Springs on Friday night, and we're so grateful to be able to do that. Our friend Cody and uh, Lauren are here today, too, and Cody is on our board, and he's one of our founders as well, and, and we're so grateful for that. And God's doing great things with the young people in this town, and, and you know that with your history with Franktown and and all of everything that goes on there, but we work with 18 to 30-year-olds, and we watch God change lives every single day, and we've been doing this for about six years in different capacities, but now with the collective. We believe that the body, the collective body, uh, is coming together in Williamson County, sending back into our churches and our communities, and we're going to watch God do great things in our day. Amen? Amen. Amen. He still can do that. There's a couple amens on this side. We've got to get this side warmed up. <laughs> I'm with me. Let's go. Come on. All right. So we're, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3 today for the most part. This is a familiar story to most people who have been in church for a while or read their Bibles one way or the other. And uh, we're going to pray in just a second as we go into this, but we do live in interesting times. And I want everybody in this room to understand something. The sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God, meaning God has a plan, God has a will, God knows what he's doing. And while we live out our lives and all of the things that come at us in our life or the things that are going on extended, I mean, there's things that happen outside of this beautiful county that we, most of us, get to live in. It just... In the last 24 hours, uh, U.S. interests were t seemingly targeted in an attack from Iran. There's war in Russia and the Ukraine. There's Christians in Australia and Canada and parts of Europe for the first time in years and years and years being threatened to not even speak. And if they do, they're being jailed for it. The underground church in China is growing through what's being pressed against them. Unbelievable. The underground church in Iran is said to be growing leaps and bounds. The Christian church. This is all, God is doing things amongst all of that, and we have to understand that our faith and our way of life 
can be threatened at any time, but yet God seems to be with us. In his sovereignty, you and I were created to live in this time. Remember the old tapes? Let's rewind the tape. (laughs) By God's sovereignty, you and I were created to live in this time, which means that God believes that you have what it takes by what he's built in you and building in you to do something incredible in this day and age. Amen. So let our faith arise in that as we take a look at three Hebrew boys that stood the test of time, the test of, uh, in the fire, uh, as they were up against similar obstacle face to face. So Father, we ask today that you would meet us here, that God, your word would speak to our hearts and minds, that God, we would be forever changed when we walk out of this place, that your spirit would touch hearts as we sang again today, that we would be revived, that we would be filled, and God, we would walk in boldness to declare the goodness of God, the promise of Jesus Christ, the hope of the world, our Lord and Savior, whose name we pray in. Amen. All right, so that question kind of remains when life presses us, when life presses you, like what comes out of us? What comes out of you? Individually, collectively, when things press us, when we're being tested, when, when, when the world seems to be going you know, to and fro and nothing seems to be stable, hello, last two years, what comes out of us? Now, have you ever said anything? Has something ever come out of you? Like, seems like it came, it just fell out of your mouth and you, and you were like, I don't even know where that came from. And, and scripture tells us the mouth speaks from the abundance of the heart. So I get that, I understand. But good or bad, it wasn't like your brain just thought it through. It just came out of your mouth. Well, there, there's some famous lines that I know when they were up against it, they thought about it and they put them down on paper. There's a guy named Abraham Lincoln. Have you ever heard of him? In the, in the Gettysburg Address, He said, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal up against a line that would change history forever. This comes out of his mouth. Boldness comes out of his mouth. There was a guy named John F. Kedney, and he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And there was this basketball coach, his name was Jim Valvano, you might have known him, he, he coached at North Carolina State, and he, he, he died of cancer, but when he was facing cancer, he just looked at everybody, and he said, don't give up, don't ever give up. And then probably the most famous line of all, especially for those of us that call on Jesus, he, he said, it is finished. It's finished. And I don't understand the weight of that completely, but I think that I need to ask God to help me understand the weight of this line, it is finished, and what it exactly means. Of course, salvation in Jesus Christ. Of, of, course, of course, he's our Lord. Of course, what he did, it, no man can do. Of course, what he did solved the problem of earning salvation. That there's literally nothing we can do, that God can't love us any more or any less, and we can't, we can't demonstrate our love for him any more or any less. He did that all on the cross. It's finished. So when life presses us, when life presses you, what comes out? So this story, this is part of the 6, 7, 2, 75 problem here. So 
Here it is. We'll just give it a little tighten. We're good. All right. So the story we got is crazy. It's got some pressing to it. It's got some decision-making to it. It's some real heat, if you will, to it. Takes place in 6th century uh, Babylon. Uh, uh, it's a BC superpower. It's a secular pagan area. And they had taken in the Hebrew people as slaves. And their king, Nebuchadnezzar, instituted pagan idol worship. He erected a golden statue that was 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. And every engineer and builder and carpenter and whatever in the room, there is no way that can stand. So we know it had to have a big base around it. Again, 90 feet high, 9 feet wide. Had to have a, a, a major base to keep it from falling over. And this is the part that was so interesting to me. When he would call people to worship it, he would use heaven's sound, music, musical worship, words of praise, instrument for its call to action to worship it. When the idol was to be dedicated, he brought all the important people, all the officials to bow down before it. And if they didn't, they'd be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And I'm glad today, and I hope you are too, that our God encouraged us to cast our cares on him and our anxieties, that his yoke is easy, that his burden is light, that he invites the heavy laden and gives them rest. Because this God, this lowercase g God and his cohort, King Nebuchadnezzar, are completely opposite and instills fill. You will die if you don't bow. Every faith, every religion of the world, anything that's ever been drawn up, any ideology is completely opposite than the love of our God. He stands alone. He changes everything. So when the music began, all of these important people, they bowed and they worshiped the idol. And then enters these three boys, Hebrews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Anybody ever heard of these guys before? No? First one? Well, then this will be a good story. Buckle up. They're in slavery, appointed to be managers by the king at Daniel's request to manage. Daniel had earned favor with the king, having interpreted a dream for him. And so we look at Daniel 3, 8 through 18. Right now, let's read this. Therefore, at that time, a certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews, those three Hebrew boys. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. Verse 11, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. 
Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony of all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. And I'll just throw this in, in verse 18, before we're going to read this whole thing in a second, but, he, but they also said, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. I love that part. Verse 17, these incredible young men who are being pressed by Nebuchadnezzar with fire at their back, death at their front door, look at this powerful king of this pagan culture in the bloody, some of the bloodiest times in human history, and said, our God is able to deliver us. That's an attitude. That's a heart arrangement. That's the Habakkuk chapter 3 prayer. I know the deeds of God from the past. I've heard of his fame. I know he can do it. Our God is able to deliver us. Some of us need to remember today that God is able. It doesn't matter if we are in need of healing of disease, if we need something financially, or if we need boldness that we've never had to walk out this life that God's called us to. Our God is able to deliver us. We have to understand that we need to stop doing it ourselves and remember this thing, this idea, this statement from these young men, God is able. Verse 18, he said, he will deliver us. This is our hope. He will always deliver us no matter what. As we continue into verse 18, but if not, we still won't worship your gods. We will never do that. With, with death behind us, I fear not because I know the promise. I know what God has spoken. I know what he's said. I know what he's done in the past, and I will not worship your God. I know the promise. Can you believe what they're saying? They're convinced that God is going to do something, and even if he doesn't, their mind is made up on what their decision would be. Oh, God, help the church understand this and grab a hold of this, that no matter what comes against us, we can stand our ground. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. He's done it before. He'll do it again. He took the cross. He raised from the dead. He went into glory. People saw it, and he's changed the world forever through 11 of them and then added one more in Acts, and it just kept growing. I 
I'm a guest. I won't step into it. My back is against the fire, and I'm still committed to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. The real question is, when God doesn't do what we want him to do, how do we behave? When God doesn't do what we want him to do, how do we behave? When God doesn't play by my rules, I will not bow down elsewhere because he's been by my side. He's by my side. He's held my hand. He's holding my hand, and he'll always hold my hand because God has been good to me. I know that to be true. It's his promise as well. But if not, what an attitude. But if God doesn't come through in this moment the way I plan, my response is, I'll obey. I'll lift up him. I'll look up at him. I will trust because his outcome will always be better, always be the right way. We have to be bold. Now, I I don't know if you know this or not, but these three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these were not their Hebrew names. These were the Chaldean, Babylonian names given to them when they were brought over. Shadrach's name was Hananiah. Meshach's name was Mishael. Abednego was Azariah. Hananiah, Yahweh is gracious. God is gracious. Mishael, who is like Yahweh? Who is like our God? Azariah, Yahweh has helped. These three guys have prophetic names for this moment. Listen, their name changed, their home changed, but their identity never changed. Come on, somebody. When it all gets shaken up, when it gets stirred, when you get moved to and fro, it doesn't look the way your identity does not change because he who spoke the world into order and created it in six days His identity hasn't changed, and your identity, if you're in Christ, is planted in him. Your identity doesn't change. Stand firm in fire. So here we go, Daniel 3, 19 through 30. Let's take a look at this part. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. I would have loved to have seen that. Don't you like read the Bible sometimes? I just wish I could have been there <laughs> and taken a look at that. You know, like we could think of the Lord's Supper, like he's, he's sitting, or, uh, the Last Supper, I mean, and, and they're sitting around and, and they're having, instituting communion from the Passover. And, and it's like, you just love to be in that room and some of the confusion going on and, and quite literally the pain. Even Jesus saying, I have so long to have this meal with you. You have no idea what this means. Ah, oh, I love that. And yet, but this was a lot different. It's like Nebuchadnezzar is just fuming. And it's like, if you know God the way these guys know God, you would, could sit on the wall and you go, man, watch this. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression on his face towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that the, they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. This is a, Chal- a Chaldean, comes from, comes from that, the, the language is, it's like, turn it up. Like, I want that thing to go as hot as it possibly can go. 
so they heat it seven times more than it was usually heated and commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, we did. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking around in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. We'll just, just time out for one second. If you have ever, on a beautiful Tennessee fall Friday and Saturday night, built a big fire in your backyard or on a property or something, and it's just going, and it's hot, and it's smelly. You don't really smell it when you're there. You smell it when you get home. You smell it when you wash your hair. I don't have a problem anymore. But I remember, you know what I mean? You're washing your hair and you're like, wow, that is really smoky. But you ever, have you ever been around one, a bonfire where you just can't even get within three or four feet of it? I mean, you, you get within five feet of, of any kind of real fire and you're going to smell it on your clothes later. This miracle of God has to be considered all the things. The smell of fire was not even on them. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted him. And they have frustrated, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language that speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. Just still doesn't understand the whole mercy and grace thing. <laughs> we'll get there. He's, he's just starting to buy in. And their house shall be made as a, an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So Nebuchadnezzar sent these guys into the fire and it was so hot that the guards were dying. Nebuchadnezzar is watching with anticipation. Then he starts seeing them walk around in there. And he says, there's, there's not three, there's four. Now, friends, they said it look, Nebuchadnezzar said, it looks like the Son of God. Every theologian who's ever written something on this 
they will all say something similar, but no doubt about it, this was a God supernatural moment. This was something from heaven. Was this Jesus in the fire a pre-incarnate moment? Pre-incarnate moment? I don't know, but this will be a great one to ask. Nobody ever said, when you go to heaven, who, who do you want to meet? And people say, oh, I want to meet Paul. I want to be, meet Moses. I want to know what that was all about. I mean, what was that like, you know, going to Pharaoh? And they'll say, nobody ever talks about these three boys. I want to talk to these three boys because their courage blows my mind because what they experienced in the fire was a moment with God that changed history again forever. That's what God does when he moves. He changes history. And it, and it might not be world history. It might just be your life or the person sitting next to you. When God changes, takes a life and changes it, when, 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 a, when a person is the worst sinner you've ever known, and they, they have, oh, I don't believe in your church stuff and your Jesus stuff and your God stuff. I don't want, and then God changes that life. It changes history for everybody who knows that person's life. That God must be real because I know what that bro looked like before. History changes when God moves and God moved in this situation. He said, the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Isaiah 43, one through two, but now thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the rivers, it will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. When they were pulled from the fire, their ropes were the only thing that were touched. They fell off. Let me tell you why. Because when you go through the fire, when you experience something tough and you lean on God and watch God do something incredible and pull you out on the other side, the ropes come off. That is freedom. God frees lives. You come out free, Isaiah 61.3, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, planting the Lord, planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. All things will glorify Lord, the Lord in all things. So how do we see Jesus in this? John 12, 44 through 45, Jesus says this, then Jesus cried out and said, he who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. The character of Jesus is the character of God. Why? Because he is. But the things we see God do in the Old Testament and we watch Jesus demonstrate in person as he walked the earth. Jesus is declaring this thing that said, I am connected to that. So Jesus in the fire is very, very, very acceptable. The character of God, doing what God does in the midst of the fire for those who believe, for those who call on the name of the Lord. The character of God is embedded in Jesus. Deuteronomy 31, 8, and the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. God 
is with you, beloved. There is nothing for us to be afraid of. I think we forget that Jesus told his disciples that we could do nothing, they could do nothing without him. He used the analogy of the, of, of the vine and the branches, and he talked about being attached. And what he's talking about is eternal, righteous things. This hand, these feet, this mouth can't do anything divine. The only way that I can stay the course is if I stay attached to Jesus. An exact reflection of who God is. The only way I can be bold for eternity's sake is if I'm attached to Jesus. He said, I can't do anything without him. I am with you, God says. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Obey, I am with you. I'm gonna back up, sorry to do this to you. Deuteronomy 31, eight, and the Lord he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God is with us and stay the course. God's promise is I am here and my ways they're better. So I, you are not alone, friends. As the worship team comes back, comes back to the platform to get ready to wrap up, I, I, want, I want us to understand this. As I started, I told you that God created and purposed you for life now. It doesn't matter if you're 10 or 100 years old. There is no retirement plan in the kingdom of God. Boldness never stops. Following Jesus never stops. Being attached to him never stops. And his promise in that is that he will not leave us, he won't forsake us. We are not alone in it. And as our world continues to shift, listen, I don't want to be a bearer of bad news, it will. Because we're people with depravity issues. And we just make bad decisions. And things can get worse and then things can get a little bit better. But in the worst, we don't lose our faith. One of my mentors says it like this. When devastation hits your household, when devastation hits your life, do you know who you serve? because that's the defining moment. My encouragement for us today is that we would look up, that we would be bold, that we would grow in the grace and knowledge in Jesus Christ.
and that in our day, as co-laboring with Christ would go, we would continue to see a move of God in this city and in this county and in this state and in this nation and more throughout the world. Do you believe that this morning? Would you stand with me as I pray? So Lord, I thank you for this beautiful congregation, this family. God, I thank you for its history of boldness in this town. God, I thank you for their courage, for literally 150 years or more. God, I thank you for the generosity of this church. And I know according to 2 Corinthians that you have a special place in your heart for those that are generous. And I thank you for the generosity of this church to this community. God, this is what I would pray today as we get ready to go our separate ways is that you, Father, would bring a boldness again to this church that they've never known. God, Acts chapter 4, church hits their knees, cries out to God for boldness for the mission that's in front of them. God, would you fill them with boldness again for the work that's ahead. God, we ask you for it. We need you, Lord. And if there is one in this room or that does not know you, I pray, God, that by your spirit you would call them to yourself. God, if there's one in this room that's in need of sickness, they need a, a touch from the Lord this morning, God, that you would pour yourself out on them and bring healing. Every fiber, every cell, every tissue in their body make new, God, I pray. God, somebody's watching at home the same. God, if there's provision needed, I pray that blessing over them in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, thank you for them. Glory be to God. In the name of Jesus, the strong son of God. Amen and amen.